Kia ora koutou, everyone. Welcome to HR Chats with me, Tereda, where I, Tereda, chat about HR. This is a series where we're chatting to some of New Zealand's leading lights in HR around a range of interesting trends or ideas in the world of human relations. Uh, we have a diverse range of people lined up. You may have listened to many of them already. And indeed, if there are people or topics that you think we should have a chat to or about, then by all means, get in touch with us. Contact details on the webpage today. Really looking forward to this one. I'm talking to Carly Teaotonga. Carly was raised uh, and or born and raised in Ōtōtahi. She is mama to two boys, Kobe and Wurimu, and now lives in Fakatu or Nelson uh, with her partner Tiaki. She has Fakapapa links to Nati Awa, Nati Raukawa, Nati Aruanui, uh, Nairoru, and Nati Koata. And she is also the president of the Nelson Tasman branch of Harins, holds a degree majoring in HRM and is in her final year of a Master of Māori and Indigenous Leadership through Aotahi University of Christchurch. Her thesis explores the well-being of the Māori health workforce in Aotearoa through employment relations. Can't wait to chat about that. Her current role is Fano, a development manager for uh, Wakatu Incorporation, a hapu and Fano owned organization. She is currently co-lead of a project called Mana Tangata, which has a focus on ensuring that HR management practices at Wakatu are tikanga led through their whakapapa values, culture, his history, aspirations, and the unique approach Wakatu takes. We've got a lot to get through in this chat. Um, welcome, Carly. Oh, kia ora, Tereda. Kia ora. Hey, that Masters, that sounds absolutely fascinating. Tell us, what, what's, what's the kind of main focus of that? Sure. So my research question is to identify how we could improve the well-being of the Māori health practitioners and the health workforce through HRM practices. So one of the reasons I'm actually doing this research is that some of our current HR practices are generally not fit for purpose for Māori. And these current practices can contribute to negative impacts on the well-being of Māori, both those seeking uh, to get into the workforce and those already working. So what we do know is that when we don't hire the right people, when we don't retain the right people, and when we don't provide the right employment and development future opportunities for our Māori workforce, the cycle is unfortunately vicious, continuously impacting on our societal determinants, resulting in poorer health outcomes, both physically and mentally, unemployment, inequitable employment conditions and opportunity, poor education, and lower socioeconomies economy, sorry, within our Māori populations. And so actually continues the cycles of inequalities and injustices of a system of intergenerational trauma experienced by Māori through the continuous effects of colonisation and institutionalised biases and derisat racism. You, dare you say it? Yes, you, yes, you do. <laughs> do. Could you give us some sort of practical examples of what you've come across that sort of emphasize all of that? Well, I think it's, um, there, there are some systemic flaws within our institutions as well. And when, I, and when I talk to that, I think about the trade sector as well, where um, predominantly our Māori workforce have been put into those blue collar type roles, as opposed to those management, senior management roles. Um, and I also see it across areas like health and education as well, where it can actually hard for Māori workforce navigating their way through um, a system that's not always fit for purpose. Exactly. And how far through that Masters are you? Well, I'm coming up to crunch time. I've got three months for final submission, November the 1st, so we're nearly there. 
Well, we'll make this chat quick so you can keep typing. Has there been anything through that kind of period of study that really surprised you? Did you, did you have any sort of, I suppose, preconceived notions coming in that the further you got in, you went, you know what, maybe I wasn't right about that or wow, I, I, I never expected that. Well, this program has been transformational for me. Um, I must say, I was originally considering um, a master in org psych, um, which is pretty um, a, a, a normal pathway of progression for HR practitioners. Um, and going into this journey, it's actually a collective um, approach to all of us, um, you know, ensuring that we get through this master's together. Um, and it's collectivism as well. Um, another thing that has been a real surprise for me is around Māori and Indigenous leadership. Uh, I, prior to going into this master's programme, I was quite uncomfortable with uh, the term leadership um, and, you know, against myself. So it's been comfortable in that space, really knowing that there's all different types of leadership. And um, we, my cohort, all of my, my whānau that are on this master's programme, uh, working in areas that are quite diverse across New Zealand, whether it be health, whether it be education, um, all sorts of things. We've even got an engineer in there. So it's knowing that we're all playing our part to improving the wellbeing of Māori. Marvellous. So there will probably be people sitting out there listening to this thinking, we, we, we want to do better than what we are because we know we're not perhaps doing as well as we can for people who want to go out and support the well-being of maori in their workplace is is there currently a, a framework or a model i mean i suppose they just can't go and get a handbook you know one-on-one what -on -one, uh, hiring maori 101 probably doesn't exist <laughs> and, yeah. and nor should it yes Yes, well, firstly, and an answer to that as well, response to that, I'll quote Tame's injuries Whakatoki, and that's diverse realities require diverse solutions. So for me, this means that I speak for what I have felt, heard, learned and experienced through others, and myself as a Māori and as an HR practitioner. And this is what I actually believe at this current time. So I'll also note that I'll only touch on briefly some of the ways where HR can aspire to improve the wellbeing of our Māori workforce. So an insightful model for HR practitioners to look at is Te Whare Tapawha, which was developed again by Tame Sinjuri. And I'll briefly outline this useful framework for how we consider the wellbeing for Māori and for all in the workplace. So Te Whare Tapawha speaks to the po or pillars of wellbeing for Māori. That's Taha Whānau, their social wellbeing and relationships. Taha Tinana, their physical wellbeing. Taha Wairua, their spiritual well-being, and Taha Hiningaro, their emotional and mental well-being. So these characterise the four pillars that make a whare, representing the four po that stabilise Māori and contribute to the totality of their well-being. So under the Te Whare Tapawha uh, model, where one or more of these po are unstable or removed, Māori are not completely supported to being and feeling well or whole. So Te Whare Tapawha was originally designed for the health sector, but it's actually transferable across many different ways of improving the experience for Māori, including your own Māori workforce. So there is steps of, uh, there is heaps of information, sorry, um, online. Just Google Mason Jury and Te Whare Tapawha, and more specifically as HR practitioners, take a look at uh, mentalhealth.org, Te Whare Tapawha in the workplace, and there you'll find some on, useful online resources, including fact sheets and worksheets for both the employee and the employer.
Ali, I, I often wonder, because I've, I've seen through lots of different fields, um, codified expressions in a way of, of, of Maori belief and structures to do with a lot of this. And a lot of the time it strikes me that it is, it is in many ways similar for Pākehā, except that it's it's it, there's a there's a sort of it's more codified if you know what I mean within Maori term. So for people looking at this, do you think there's a lot they can they can take out of that for their entire workforces and actually bringing in a lot of these structures and systems and being aware of them end up actually benefiting everyone? Uh, definitely, Tereda, I believe so. Um, the the framework itself is you know, it's fit for purpose for all people, regardless of your ethnicity, of your religious beliefs, because it really looks to the whole person um, and their whole being as well. Because we are talking a lot about well-being, you know, at the moment, and actually, you know, finding ways for people to experience express that in, in a wider context for their entire workforce so you know it may be that that looking at all of this ends up making them better employers better hr practitioners on the whole better people i, th I think so and i think gone are the days when you um leave your um home life at home um and you know when you're at work you're you have that professional hat on i think there is um there's yeah, there's much to be worked towards when we look at um, being able to bring our true and authentic self to work as well. And, um, and, that, and, and that will promote our professionalism in the work we do as well. It makes more, uh, makes it a more interesting day going to work, uh, you know, and, and we've seen that actually in the last little while where people have let people into their homes through the likes of Zoom, you know, um, so you, that, that, that differentiation between the personal and the professional has been a little bit blurred because of the whole COVID scenario. Hey, so when it comes to improving people's HR practices uh, and encouraging uh, Māori to enter the workforce, how do people go around that kind of talent attraction and recruitment? phase of things before they even maybe get into having people in that in that workforce yeah sure so what i would um say is check the content of your advertisements make sure you're using te reo maori correctly if you are using it um, does your advertising have limitations or barriers that may discourage diversity so an example of this is a surf life savings logo with figures of two white men how does this thought of symbolism encourage diversity for women or people of different ethnicities? Uh, your recruitment methods. Where do you advertise? Do you only use mainstream forms of advertising? Have you, uh, have you shared your recruitment advertisements with local iwi, marae, kura and Māori agencies and organisations? Do you have established networks within the Māori community? And do any of your HR team members have existing relationships that have remained untapped? So actually, have you asked these questions amongst your HR team? And I was, sorry, Tarade, I was going to say, and to avoid Māori potentially self-selecting themselves out of applying for your roles, uh, what I would ask is, are you actively seeking referrals or shoulder-tapping people who may be capable for the roles that you seek to fill, encouraging them in the first instance to actually apply for your roles? And the other thing is, do you actually encourage their... Uh, people to bring their whānau with them for interviews? And do you ask your candidates if there are any special requirements throughout the recruitment process? Sorry. Marvellous. No, 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 it's good. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, because I, I was looking at sort of some of the, of the, not a barrier, a, a hindrance for people who are already thinking, oh, you know, um, are they using 
Rayo correctly, you know, for, for some organizations, there may not be anyone within that organization. Where can people go if, if they're not comfortable with having that checked? Are there, are there places they can send that copy through and make sure that they've got their language right, have people look at it to go, actually, this isn't, this isn't right here? Yeah, if you, if you are considering um, incorporating the use of te reo Māori into your advertisements and other areas of your business, um, I would um, perhaps recommend that you engage with a, um, that we have Māori HR consultant, consultants around as well. So engaging with them um, and again, engaging with your communities, um, your local marae uh, and other Māori organisations that may be able to assist you in this. Because the danger is, and, and I was going to come to this a little later on, of, of someone who you have on your staff who is the de facto Māori consultant, they may not necessarily be there for that, but because they're Māori, they then are expected to, you know, a document is put in front of them, go, have a read of that, does that, does that seem right? Uh, you know what I mean? That, that's, that's one of those other danger, or, and, and I'll probably talk about this, you know, perhaps a little later on as well, that, that mm. danger of, of someone who, who, who has a, I guess, a, a Māori leadership role foisted upon them by the fact that they may be the only Māori in an organisation. They may not necessarily want to have that responsibility. That's right. And it's a huge responsibility as well. I know that firsthand as well, sometimes being handed um, pieces of work or it's the expectation that I might engage with um, uh, Māori communities as well. Although I'm comfortable in that space to be able to outreach into the com wider community, doesn't necessarily mean everyone is. So I do say, um, identify in your workplace those with strong cultural competency, but they might also have connections and be able to provide you with those, um, with those connections to the right people if they don't feel that they're um, the right person for that specific piece of work you're asking um, of them. Yeah, always pays to, pays to ask. So when it comes to support, uh, supporting hiring managers with, with positive onboarding, so you've gone out and you've found your pool of talent and you've selected your candidates uh, and then you bring them into the organisation. What kind of support for the hiring managers are there around that? Yeah, sure. So it would be fair to say onboarding should be a consistent and positive experience for all new employees in the first instance. And as HR professionals, it is vital that we consider how we welcome our people into our organisations within Aotearoa. So um, we have a unique culture. So I think that's the first thing to, to recognise. There's a unique culture in Aotearoa and the fact that we are a bicultural country with a treaty that exists that enables us to enact and honour our biculturalism. And when I talk about biculturalism, I'm not just referring to our original settlers represented under the Crown Partnership when uh, Te Tiriti was established. I'm representing inclusivity of all, and that's non-Māori and Māori. And some may ask, is this relevant to our organisation? Uh, we're a local building company or a national retail company. My question would be, why not? If HR practices, and I think we alluded to this slightly earlier, if HR practices are positive for Māori, they're generally positive for all. And again, I'll refer you back to Tamas and Jury's model of Te Whare Tapawha and introduce a new potential reading. Um, and this is actually a short report that was co-authored by Dr Shelley Spiller et al, uh, named Kōkiri Whakamoa, Fast Tracking Māori Management. And it's a short report on HR practice. So this, this paper itself speaks to five ancestral leadership qualities, um, which include Modi order, uh, in this instance, creating wellbeing, uh, awareness of the life force of an organization and respecting the intrinsic worth of each person. 
uh, then it uh, touches on whanaungatanga and how HR can actually support an organisation through practising family-centric values that actually enables organisations to understand the fullness that one brings uh, to the workplace. And tangata whakapapa, which talks to embracing the wholeness of a person. So in other words, the person's not siloed to their role um, within their workplace. It's speaking to their wider environment and relationships as well. Um, and if I could, I'd give an example of this. So um, the mihi whakatau process that takes place where I work at Wakatu House um, is an important ritual and it's not just done for Māori employees, it's done for all. And it actually serves to say, uh, say on day one who we are and acknowledging and welcoming in the fullness and wholeness of a new person, who they are, and that's their past, their present and their future, and what they bring, including inviting their whānau and friends to accompany and support them on day one. So we as their employers then receive and acknowledge the entirety of, of who they are. So for me, this also means that I know my children and whānau are welcome in my workplace. Um, and it created that strong sense of a psychological contract that we often reference to in HR. So the mihi whakatau process fostered my wellbeing day one on the job and the sense of my whole self belonging to my workplace. And that actually forges the relationship, connection, loyalty and responsibility that I feel for my role, purpose and objectives and our collective responsibility towards our wakatu organisational values and aspirations. But one thing I would, would say about when you hold a mihi whakatau is do seek the right support and advice. And that's both from your uh, perspective as the organisation and also the individual being welcomed. And don't, like you uh, mentioned before, Tereda, don't assume your Māori employees are comfortable confident or maybe even capable of leading this process just because just because they're Māori um, and that the person being welcomed knows how the process will unfold and you've probably seen it yourself to radar but because this is a, a cultural uh, presumption but check out a comedy um, act from Māori sidesteps and they have a skit on holding a workplace mihi whakatau where they nominate the brown guy on their team to be the speak, their speaker. Might add, he wasn't even Māori. Um, and it's extremely entertaining, but also highlights what not to do. So, yeah, just remember, if you do require support, find the right support. That's right. And we were referring to it earlier on. Just assume that because someone... Uh, is Māori or, or, or slightly non-white, uh, that they can take these roles because often they can. Hey, look, I've got a question for you. And this is one that I've, I, I've been asking around for a little while with, for example, uh, people's mihi, say, you know, who they are and where they're from, their ancestral background and all of that. If you are having that concept within welcoming someone into an organisation, depending on, you know, uh, Māori, non-Māori, does that necessarily have to be done in, in Uraya, or can you use the structure of it for people who may not be confident with the language to deliver it, you know, for in English, for example, but within that thing, so they can say, look, I'm I'm so and so. My people have come from here. We this is a a river or a lake that was of significance to me because I'm just I'm just thinking once we're you know as sort of as New Zealanders, once we know where someone's come from. You know, we can put them into that. Oh, they're a they're a mountain person. Oh, they're from up north. They're whatnot. And suddenly we think, oh, do you know? Do you know Bob? You know what I mean? Does it does it need to be when they're explaining that to, to introduce who they are? Does that need to be in yeah. Maori or can, is there a move to just to keep the structures for the explanation? 
I, I actually think that's up to um, the individual um, to probably ask that question of yeah. the host. Yeah, so if, um, if they weren't comfortable with their pronunciation, I mean, I always like to say give things a go, even when it puts yeah. you out of your, um, you know, puts you into an uncomfortable place, give it a go. But yeah, I would definitely check with your host um, about yeah. what's appropriate and what's not. Stay on the safe side. Always stay on the safe side. Hey, um, do you have any any best practice examples? Obviously, you know, the multi-side step skit is a good example of probably what not to do. Do you have any best practice examples that you've seen over the years and thought, oh, that's that's a really good way of doing this? Yeah, a to usually follows a, a, a process. A, a, it's a customary practice. Um, so, uh, yeah, it generally follows a process and is dependent on the colour or the way things are done for that for those people or that local area that you're in. So um, yeah, I would I would just I would just say again, seek the right support um, yeah. and have the yeah, seek the right support and advice. Indeed, seek the right support and advice. That is the end of part one of our conversation with Carly. You can join us for part two and part three here on the HRNZ website. You've been listening to HR Chats with me, Teradar.